in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Charles Dickinson said, there is probably no God stop worrying and enjoy your life. There is probably no God stop worrying and enjoy your life. I like what he said that he said probably. Because as a scientist, he cannot say there is no God. <laughs> so therefore he said there is probably no God. Stop worrying and enjoy your life. What's so funny about that, that he tried to commit suicide 10 times. So did he enjoy his life? Did he stop worrying? Back again to the crumbling culture and how to stand tall. And now we have passed homosexuality. Therefore, we need to talk a little bit about family assignments. A guy named Francis Schaeffer said this 35 years ago. He said that he is not there and he is not silent. When you take God out of the picture, he's not going to be there, but he's not going to stay silent. So we got him out of schools. We got him out of government. And, you know, and, you know, and, and, and the concept of separation of state and, and church, you know, the founding fathers, you know what? They were trying to protect what? They were trying to protect the church, <laughs> not the government, <laughs> which is now is completely the opposite. So, Let's talk about the evidence that God assigns from conception one's gender as female or female. And he said it very clearly in the very famous verse, but I want you to read it so it will sink in. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is like a self-evident statement. It's like this, the first statement of the Bible, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. 
It's self-evident. There is no explanation. It's an axiom that you accept it without thinking. There is no explanation for God, where he came from, how he came into being, because of course he did not come into being because he's always been in being. And if you will, if it is a self-evident truth, God is God and God exists. And even philosophers would tell you, you know, the question that kids always ask in Sunday school, who created God? And the philosophers themselves, atheists, would say this is a category mistake question. Because if you say who created God, that will negate the whole concept of God. So God made, made man in his own image, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. So God is a working God. And he did work for six days and on the Sabbath he maintained what he had created and he's still maintaining what he is creating. He did not give us gravity, the law of gravity, and just left it. He's still maintaining it up to now. So in order to value work, you have to know that we have a working God. Jesus Christ said, I must do the things that my father have me to do. I have to do the will of my father. My father is working and I am working. So if we go back, we, we're trying to connect. I don't know if you're, 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 you're grabbing what I am saying. We're trying to connect a lot of things together, culture, work, and see how can we see it as a duty, not as a cursed thing. Monkeys do not write symphonies <laughs> because we're created in the image of God. So we are higher form. We're not, high, we're not a higher form of monkeys. We're made in the image of God. Kids in my church are, are always say this in the schools. Don't make a monkey out of me. And it is evident in nature that God assigned genders at conception. Therefore, in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, St. Paul make it very, very subtle by saying this. In Romans chapter 1, Look at verse 20. He said, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, you see, Charles Dickinson said, there is probably no God. They knew God. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Look at this. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And in verse 26, after he made this argument, he said, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Natural use. It is a self-evident truth that God had created man in his, own, in his own image, male and female. Natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, man with man, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not what? fitting. Therefore, we have to reject a sinful culture. God had assigned our genders. Make no mistake about it. And you know, when, when, when people reject God, did you see how St. Paul made it very clear? When you get God out of the picture, when you say God-less America, what will happen? You go to sexual immoralities right away. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Men abandoned the natural function of the woman and women the same way. It is self-evident. It is nature-evident. And it's scripturally evident. So after they made us think that homosexuality is normal, which is, again, is the scripture. And if you say so, you're called a hater and intolerant, and what have you, then they will go to transgender. And it is inseparable from the homosexual movement, by the way.
And by the way, th this was not new. 15, and this may startle you, 15 of the first 16 Roman Caesars were either gay or bisexual. This is a fact. And St. Paul said, during the time of the Roman Empire, when, Caesar, when Caesars were the ruling authorities, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexual. Effeminate, it's a very uh, unusual word. Effeminate means to, uh, to act like a woman while you are a man. And he made it very clear that this is not righteous, nor homosexual. If you look at the word effeminate, E-F-F-E-M-I-N-A-T-E, it is defined as this. It is a person who is of the biological male gender of male or a biological gender of male, yet he is purposely trying to act female. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. So it is self-evident, it is scripturally evident, it is nature evident, that the most astonishing thing is scientifically evident. Here's a, a, a man named Dr. Paul McHughes. He is the former head of psychiatry at Johns Hopkins University Hospital, a highly esteemed hospital in our country. And here's what Dr. Paul McHughes, by the way, he's not Christian, and that's what he said. That's what he said about the transgender issue, and I quote, this is a quote. A quote Policy makers and the media are doing no favors either to the public or to the transgendered by treating their confusions as a right and a need of defending rather than as a mental order that deserves understanding treatment and prevention. And here is a non, it's not a Christian man, a scientist. He has no claims to Christianity. But he said that media and the politicians are all doing a disservice to some troubled, confused people by saying they are a certain class of people that deserve certain rights and defenses. And I know it's a long quote, but allow me to read it, please. 
He continues and says, I quote, the transgendered suffer from a disorder of assumption similar to other psychological disorders like anorexia or bulimia. Studies show fundamental problems with the transgendered movement. Studies at both Vanderbilt University and London's Portman Clinic found that children who felt transgendered yet did not receive medical or surgical treatments, up to 80% of those lost those feelings as they matured. If you just don't cultivate it and nurture it, he said, it most of the time goes away. So how can we deal with our children now? God help the, 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 these parents who take their little boys and little girls and sell them, just do whatever you feel like. And then they forget that God had assigned their gender at birth, at conception. Did you know that John, uh, Johns Hopkins now, they, they don't operate on those transgendered because they found out it, dis, it, it does them a disservice then, a service? He said this, we found that long-term studies have revealed that there is no better psychological help in those who received sexual reassignment surgery than those who did not. He said, we've studied it long term and we're not helping these people at all. Years after they have changed their genitals to look more like the opposite sex than their, than their birth gender, they are no happier. They have just mutilated their bodies. So Dr. McHugh states that's why today Johns Hopkins now refuses to perform sexual reassignment surgery. Scientifically proven. Did you do you hear about this in media? Absolutely not. Because it is a right now. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, they told us, home, you're born this way, right? And now it's a, it's a choice. <laughs> so, what is this? Anyway. It's a, it's a long article, if it's called Gender Assignment. I, I, can, I can send it to Cindy and then you can... It's 13 pages. And I'm not, I'm not gonna read it for you all. But I, I enjoyed it though. Back to work. If you look at, uh, at Ephesians again, chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, 
says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. We usually get stuck at the word bond servant or slaves, right? And say, Christianity condones slavery. I don't know why they don't say about this about football players. <laughs> football player has a price. If he changes team, what, what would you do? You pay him and you pay the team to release him. Basketball players, baseball players, executives. To leave from one company to the other, they have to have an incentive. How much they're paying you? The concept is the same. It is not the system, it is the heart that Christianity is all about. There are a lot of verses in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that try to regulate the system, not to change it. Let me share some verses with you, so at least you don't get stuck at the first word, so we can go on. Let me share with you, for example, if, 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 if Peter, Peter got beheaded by Nero, got crucified by Nero, St. Paul was beheaded by Nero, and you know what St. Peter said in his epistle? Honor the king who was Nero, honor him. Really? Yeah, honor him. Not for who he is, but because of his position. In the New Testament, in Leviticus chapter 25, Look at these verses from verse 44. And as for your male and female slaves, whom you may have. These are workers. Workers that you have hired to work for you. Even from the nations that are around you. From them, you may buy male and female slaves. You pay them a salary. Moreover, you may buy the children of the strangers who dwell among you and their families who are with you, which they beget in your land, and they shall become your property. And you may take them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them as a possession. They shall be your permanent slaves. But regarding your brethren, the children of Israel, you shall not rule over one another with rigor. Here is the word, rigor. You do not rule over them with what? Rigor. And now if a sojourner, or a sojourner or stranger close to you becomes rich and one of your brethren who dwells by him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner close to you or, or to a, a member of the stranger's family, 
after his soul he may be redeemed again one of his brothers may redeem him exactly the same concept of players and employees who are being transferred from one job to the other but here is the issue you don't deal them with rigor you deal with them justly but when we come to the issue of work what we do We want, as customers and consumers, we want lower prices, right? And we want lower taxation. And we want higher wages. How can we solve this? <laughs> we want lower prices, and we want lower taxation, and we want higher wages, and it is a right. How the government will do that? Start printing money. And then inflation. Doesn't matter. I need my raise. I need my bonus. I'm not getting paid enough. They're not going to get to. It is not part of my job description. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will, I will get a letter from my lawyer. St. Paul said, the first principle here, and there is a, the word work is an acronym, right? So we can take the letter W, and the letter O, and the letter R, and the letter K, so you can remember, right? We learn by association. So, he said here, employees, be obedient to those who are your masters, who are your employers, according to the flesh, with fear, reverence, and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to whom? As to Christ. But the, 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 the thought that comes to your mind is, I have, you don't know my boss. You don't know him. St. Peter made it very clear. The same parallel passage, he said, even if he's cruel, even if he's bad. That's why W, remember the, the letter W? Willfully, willfully submit to your employer. The word here, uh, the word bond servant in Greek is called doulas. Doulas means what? A hired, a, hi a hired person to do a job. It, it means you don't bad mouth your boss. You, if you don't like it, leave. But as long as you you are working for that boss, you need to what? willfully submit to your master. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Remember that man I told you? When the CEO told him, why you're doing this? He said, he showed them verse 5. I am doing this for Christ, not for you. 
By the way, this boss is hated by everyone, except that man. And I told him, do you like him? He said, no. Not with eye service. You know, they find out that the best time of productivity, it's at the time of annual evaluation. That people work as if there is smoke coming out behind them. And they will say, I have to be in the office on time because I need my raise. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of, it is a Christian duty. You're not there to fund your pleasures. You're not there to pay the bills. It's a Christian duty. willfully submit to your master. That's W. We're talking about work, right? Verse 7. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So here, the O, own your deeds. Own your deeds. So willfully submit and own your deeds, whether they're good or bad. Right? We sometimes as, 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 as Abunas, people will come and say, oh, you, 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 today the sermon was, was very good. Right? And then we act humbly. Right? And say, Oh, no, really nothing. Thanks be to God, it's all him. And, and we don't, if we don't hear anything, we say, why these people are not appreciative? <laughs> no, we need to own our deeds, whether good or bad. A good thank you is enough for everything. You did a good job, thank you. I'm very glad you noticed. <laughs> I'm not talking about sermon, I'm talking about work. <laughs> With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. You know, when you work for a godly employer, he would love for you to tell him what you did bad before it reached his superiors, right? Because he can fix it for you, or can help you fix it, and instead of he hears about it from someone else, right? If you have a good an employer like this, thank God for him. Because he's going to instruct the employer. If you are an employer, God has some words for you too. What if you don't get what you deserve at work? Option number one, leave. But as long as you're there, you're doing it for whom? For God. 
a missionary one time, him and his wife, has spent seven years in India serving the Lord. And they came back to America for a sabbatical year. On the day of their arrival, there was a, a basketball player coming. The whole airport was chaotic. Everybody was thronging that player, asking for an autograph. This elderly man and his wife, he told her, look at this man with very, very less work. He's making millions of dollars and he gets all this popularity, right? Actually, we're not talking about hourly rate. We're talking about what? Secondly rate. <laughs> and look at us. We've been serving the Lord in an unknown country, unknown tribe, with very limited resources. And here we are in the airport. Not even a single person is greeting us. And we have to rent a cheap car and get a, a motel night in order to see how we're going to live with no resources whatsoever. Where is God in all of that? Where is the reward? His godly wife told him, honey, we're not home yet. We're not home yet. The reward may not be here, but we will get it when we get home. When we get home, we are sojourners, as we say in the Holy Divine lit lit Liturgy, right? So we are sojourners in this place. Own your deeds, whether good or bad. If you make a mistake, report it. Don't hide it. Own your deeds. Willfully submit to your master. Own your deeds. And then you are representing your master. So the R in work, you are representing your master. You know, all of us have business cards, right? And in business cards, you have your name and you have the logo of the company. You're representing the company. But we as Christians, we are representing our Lord, our master. That's why he said, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And by the way, the whole book of Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, we're talking about, this is in a family settings, right? Because servants were serving in what? In a family setting. So in chapter 5, started with whom? Husbands and wives. So you can start at home being a servant. What if my wife does not appreciate what I am doing? I'm doing it for whom? For the Lord. What if he is not ap appreciating? I'm doing it for the Lord. So the whole thing about it, it is about being filled with the Spirit. That's why he said in in verse 18 of chapter 5, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And when you are filled with the Spirit, you will be able to do this. As we said last time, we have to rely on the only God to do that. 
So if you do this, you will be able to fulfill your Christian duty, whether it is at home or at church or at work. And that's the setting of Ephesians 5 and 6. And in chapter 6, he said this in verse 9. And you, masters, you employers, do the same things to them. That's why in chapter 5, it says, submit to one another. Husbands, wives, children, and parents, employees, and employers. Giving up threatening. Giving up threatening. See how the, the Bible is regulating the relationship between the master and the servant? If you are an employer, don't threaten your employees. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So the fourth principle which we said the acronym is what? Work. What's W? Willfully. Willfully. The, the, willfully, right? Not grudgingly. Willfully. Because you're doing it for the Lord. Whether the master is good or bad, it doesn't matter because we have just one master. And number two, own your deeds. And number three, represent your master. And then the K, who can guess what's the K for? Huh? Sorry? Kind. Kind? Yeah, it, it could be. If you're not uh, sleeping, it could be. <laughs> know your master. How can you represent your master if you don't know him? Uh, can I share something with you? We know a lot about our master, but we don't know him. Right? We know a lot about the church, but we don't know the church. His Holiness, Pope Shenouda, said a beautiful thing. We can be serving the house without serving the God of the house. And that's a scary thing, isn't it? Know your master. Know your master. The culture that we live in, remember, higher wages, lower taxation, lower prices. Employers want higher marginal profit. They want, the employees want minimum effort, higher wages, no work and a lot of money. And employers want more work, less money. Government wants more taxation so they can help paying the higher wages. It's all stemmed by what? Greed. 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 But someone may say that, why should I work? Let's go to the wisest man who've ever lived. 
Solomon said this. This is the wisest man who have ever lived on, the, on, on earth. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor, labor, in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God, what? Gives him, for it is his heritage. Why should I work? It's a gift of God. It is a gift. It is a gift. In chapter 6, verse 7, He said, all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not what? Satisfied. You know, it's funny that we go to work, what we do the first hour, breakfast. And during the breakfast, coffee, donuts, and stuff, what we're doing for lunch, you haven't, had, you haven't finished even breakfast yet. And then, during lunch, where is happy hour today? <laughs> and if you're married, what are you cooking for us today? <laughs> but he solved, it, he solved the whole issue, Solomon, in, in, in chapter 2, verse 24. He said, why should I work? He said this, nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his what? You need to enjoy good in your labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Also I saw was from the hand of God. Gift of God. Gift of God. Let me end with this. Are we doing good in time? Okay. In Isaiah chapter 40, Verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 is very hard to understand. We're going to get to it uh, later this evening. Every, every valley shall be exalted. I want you to think about it until we meet the, the next time. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. And here is verse 5. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. From the mouth of the, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, People are dying to see the glory of the Lord. You are the only gospel that people can ever read. 
How can the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the flesh shall see it all together? For the Lord, for the, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In, in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, he said the same thing. What did he say? He said, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. There are some obstacles in my life and in your life that are hindering the people from seeing the glory of the Lord. You know how many Christian employers don't like to hire Christian employees? Even among our communities. So God willing, in the next time we meet, we're going to see what are the obstacles. And then we're going to look at one biblical character that was working for an employer, a harsh one, and how did they apply the principles that we have covered so we can nail the points home to God be the glory forever. Amen.